Great to be back uh, with you this morning. We're going to continue today through the book of Jonah. Uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 as we continue our series called On the Run. Let me pray for us and we'll get started here. Lord Jesus, thank you for another opportunity to gather together as your redeemed people to sing your praise. What a, what a privilege it is um, during this holiday season to just remember in a special way how you came uh, for us. Lord Jesus Christ, the great missionary, left heaven and all his uh, glory to come down to be born as a human being, the Son of God, the Word made of flesh and dwelt among us to redeem us from our sin, to redeem us from God's wrath, to deliver us from sin, Satan, and self, to bring us into the one eternal family of God. What a privilege it is to belong to you today. And we gather today, Lord, in anticipation of hearing from you. And so we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Jonah chapter 3. And hopefully you've seen with me so far how Jonah is quite a remarkable book. Uh, it touches on the very core of the Christian faith, the mission of God, and the human heart. Um, and we've seen uh, so far a man running from God and God running after him, just as he has done all along. And really, that's the story of the Bible. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, that first uh, and really only prohibition that God gave them, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they rebelled against God and they hid from God and God went looking for them. All the way down to Jonah trying to run from God on a ship and God hurling a storm and a fish after him to find him. Now last week there in chapter 2 we talked about life in the depths and how God comes after us and how um, God oftentimes will put us in the darkness to show us what we couldn't see in the light. And we saw how God was carrying forward a pattern in Jonah that, he would, that would be consummated in Christ, the pattern that death must precede life. And that how on the other side of darkness, God's greatest purposes for our lives are often fulfilled. Today we're going to learn another massively important lesson from the book of Jonah, and that is the lesson of second chances. Of second chances. We're going to learn this from Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If you're able and willing, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. And they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them 
to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Word of God. You may be seated. So we see in chapter 3 a story about second chances. And uh, the first one to get a second chance today is Jonah. And that's point number one today, a second chance for Jonah, second chance for Jonah. It says there in verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. And I just think it's worth stopping, pausing there to reflect already the incredible grace that is being put on display here. All right? Jonah heard a word from the Lord and he didn't like it. Sometimes God tells you things you don't like. All right, that's just a brute fact of reality. All right, the question is, is how are we going to respond to that? Well, Jonah responded by running from God. He didn't want the mission that God had for him. You know, sometimes, no, no, Jonah was a prophet. Sometimes we like to serve God, but like to serve him on our own terms, right? In the places that we like to serve him, you know, we might like to, we might like to serve God on the stage, but we might not like to serve him in the nursery, all right? But we don't always get to get to serve serve God on our terms, but on his terms. All right. I've heard many stories about about men throughout the years who have felt the God the call of God to preach in their lives, but that call was delayed years, even decades, because they didn't take that step of faith. And it can it can it can be hard, you know, to leave your present career, for example, to obey the call of God. But see when but we can we can run from God's call. And the lesson, as we've talked about already, is that that we are Jonah. We are the runners from the call of God. But God has a way of getting what he wants. So most of the time, it's just better to follow the first way around. He has a way of teaching people lessons. Uh, He has a way of using people who were once on the run and giving them a second chance of grace. And that's what we see here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. It says a second time, a second chance for Jonah, a second opportunity to be obedient to the Lord, to fulfill the mission that God has for him. Now, it's important to recognize, right, the, the important principle. God doesn't have to give us a second chance. God doesn't owe anybody a second chance. A second chance is mercy. It's a gift from God. God isn't obligated to give us a second chance, but so often when we repent, like Jonah did, in the darkness, when, when we, like the prodigal son, come to our senses in the spiritual pigsty, and we come home and say, you know, I don't even deserve to be a son, I'll just be a slave. 
God gives us a second chance. God will take us back. He'll give us another opportunity to fulfill the mission and plan that he has for us. Jonah got a second chance. God didn't have to give him one, but he did. And maybe there's somebody in this room. And maybe today for you, this is your Jonah moment. God, the word of the Lord is coming to you for a second time. And I just want to say, if that's you and the Lord is pressing something upon your heart this morning, let me tell you, God might not give you a third time. The word of the Lord is coming today. He's giving you a second chance, whatever that is. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, some kind of call on your life. Maybe it's a, a sin that needs to be repented of, a confession that needs to be made, a relationship that needs to be reconciled. I, I, the Lord knows, you know. But the Lord, the, the Lord has given you a second chance. This is your opportunity to say yes to God like Jonah did. And God can give you a second chance. So number one, a second chance for Jonah. Number two, there's another group we see a second chance for in this story. And that's a second chance for Nineveh. It's remarkable. There, the, what, what happens when Jonah preaches against Nineveh? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And it says that they believed God, right? That's the crucial key. They believed what Jonah was saying. It would have been easy for them to say, well, there's a crazy dude right there yelling on the streets. Would have been real easy to say that. But they didn't. They believed God through, through Jonah's message. And they, they didn't just, it didn't just say they believed, but they showed their belief. They, they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. The king proclaimed a fast. The, clean, the king said sackcloth, of course, was, you know, something that they would wear in times of grief or distress or sorrow or repentance. And so in the king commands, he says, even dress your animals in sackcloth. We're getting, even our animals are going to repent over their sin. Alright? Cause God's about to, God's about to wipe us out. And they believed God. And they repented. And, and, and He said, um, uh, let them not eat, drink manna water, uh, drink, uh, dr- feed or drink water. And then it says, let everyone turn, verse 8, from his evil way and the violence that are, is in his hands. They repented. And it says there in verse 10, that when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. That is a second chance. It's a second chance for the Ninevites, right? God gave Nineveh and the Assyrians a second chance. Now, it says there that Nineveh was, it was a massive city. It would take three days walking to, to travel through. We see, we'll find out in chapter 4 that about 120,000 people lived there. That's quite large for an ancient city that would have been on par with uh, Macon or Savannah. Okay, so more significantly is that the Assyrians were known, as we've talked about, for their cruelty, especially in war. They were a proud and an arrogant people, and they were, were throughout Israel's history a thorn in Israel's side. Later, after the time of Jonah, um, we we can discern that their repentance was not that long lasting. And later, it would be a later generation of Assyrians that would eventually conquer the northern kingdom of Israel and exile them out of the land. And then, even later beyond that, it would, it would, uh, a later kingdom of Assyria would, would come up against Jerusalem and Judah as well, the southern kingdom. And in fact, 
they would be on the verge of conquering the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, if not for the fact that uh, on one, one time when they were gathered their whole army, this was during the days of King Hezekiah, uh, they gathered their whole army outside the walls of uh, Jerusalem, and uh, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord uh, with, uh, uh, with fasting, and God sent an angel of the Lord into the camp of the Assyrians and struck down 185,000 of them. And that's the only reason they escaped. So we get a picture then of the kind of people that the Assyrians were, and yet it's to this very same people that God commanded Jonah to go and preach to them. To preach to them. And notice here what Jonah preached. It says, call out against that, uh, call out against it, the city, the message that I tell you. And then the message was, yet 40 days, and then of us shall be overthrown. So, the message that Jonah preached was a message of judgment. It was a message of judgment. You know, I think the fact of the judgment of God is a, it may not be the heart of the gospel, but it's very central to the essence of the gospel. And if you ask the average non-Christian today, are you saved? There's a good chance that they might respond, saved from what? What's a good question? You see, in case you hadn't noticed, the days are gone where you can just assume everyone has some kind of basic Bible understanding. Those are gone. So just, just get that out your book. Well, if you ask when someone's saved, there was a time when you could basically expect that the person you were talking to understood what you meant when you asked them, are you saved? Well, we can't assume that anymore. And that's not their fault. I'm just saying that when, 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 we, when, when we say as Christians that Jesus Christ, when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost, it begs the question, saved from what? You have to be, if you're saved, that means you've got to be saved from something. Right? And so the whole concept of salvation is basically meaningless if there isn't anything from which we are being saved. And that's what Jonah was telling the people of Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In other words, this, this, and they knew, <laughs> and the city was wicked, and guess what? They knew they were wicked. Because the king later comes back and tells everyone to stop being wicked. Okay? And he says, and yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In other words, God's judgment is coming. All right? Now, there was a day when preachers got a bad rap for preaching hellfire and brimstone, and for sure probably some of them overdid it. But to be clear, I don't think I know a single pastor today that could be accused of that. I don't think I do. If anything, we have probably fallen in the opposite side of the ditch where we don't speak about it enough. That there really is a judgment coming. And people need to know that. People really need to know that. Nona, uh, uh, Nona, that doesn't, that's, I was about to say Noah, but then I was thinking Jonah, so I got Noah. Peter called Noah, I almost said Jonah again. Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness. Well, what did Noah preach? 
Well, surely he preached what God told him was going to happen. A flood is coming. Right? So in other words, if you know that a flood is coming and you don't tell people to prepare for the flood, you're not loving your neighbor. Hey, flood's coming. You better get ready. That's how you love your neighbor. And that's what Noah did. And, and Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. Jonah went to Nineveh and said, hey, yet 40 days and uh, Nineveh will be overthrown. In what sense can we say that we love people if we know that the judgment of God is coming? It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. If we know that the judgment of God is coming and we don't tell people it's coming, they can't be ready. They won't be ready. The word in Greek for hell is Gehenna. It's used 12 times in the New Testament. 11 times out of the 12, it's on the lips of Jesus. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody. Why? Because he didn't want people to go there. He didn't want people to go there. That's why he warned about it. That's why he told people how terrible it was. Where the worm does not die, the fire is not quenched. He warned people about it because, look, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's like, look, I think some people think when, we, when Christians talk about hell, that makes us mean like we just made it up. Look, if you fall out of an airplane and your parachute doesn't work, guess what? You can say, I don't believe in gravity all you want. But it's not going to change reality. And we can sit there and act like hell doesn't exist, but guess what? It does. And one day you'll come face to face with that reality, and there's nothing we can do about it. I, don't get, I, didn't, I didn't get to decide about that. God did. Right? It's there. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Jonah preached and people repented. And we preach. And yes, we preach the full message. We preach God's salvation. We preach God's judgment. We preach God's mercy. We preach God's grace. We preach the whole shebang. And we tell people, look, you can be saved because there is something you need saving from. It's from your sin. It's from the punishment of your sin. It's from the wrath of God that's due your sin. But you can escape from that by the mercy of God through Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for your sins so that you wouldn't have to, so that if you repent of your sins and turn from your sin and yourself and follow Jesus, God will wipe your slate clean and not hold your sin against you. And you can be saved from the wrath of God and given a second chance. And that's it. That's the second chance. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. He relented. And that's the key, right? They didn't just, they didn't just feel sorry for what they did. That was part of it. But it's, it's not, that's not what it, it says. It didn't just say that they felt sorry. It said that they turned from their wicked way. You can feel sorry for something and not be changed. But when you're genuinely repentant, you feel sorry and you change. And that's what happened. They changed. They turned from their wicked way. They changed their behavior out of fear of the Lord. 
and God relented of his disaster. It's the second chance for Nineveh, and that brings us to point number three, and that is the second chance for us. It's the second chance for us. Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and Jesus, again, as we talked about before, Jesus refers to this specific event in, a spirit, in the spiritual confrontations that he had in his own day, right? And it's worth looking at again in Matthew 12, 38 there. It says, uh, it says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. First of all, that's just... It's remarkable what Jesus just says. It's it's mind-blowing. Their demand of a sign was evidence of their unbelief, and Jesus continually referred to that generation as the evil generation. It's not that Jesus didn't perform enough miracles, right? But what they were doing, they were putting God to the test. They were putting God to the test. Uh, Jesus repeatedly condemned their religious leaders, as ironic as it is, for their unbelief. They saw the miracles, and they didn't believe. They had the scripture, and they didn't believe the scripture. The issue wasn't evidence. The issue was their heart. And scripture itself would testify against them. In fact, in one place, Jesus would tell them. He said, you believe, you set your hope on Moses because you think, you think in Moses you have eternal life. And he says, but Moses is the one who wrote about me. And Moses will rise up and condemn you. So Jesus, uh, uh, Jonah went to Nineveh to give them a second chance. Jesus went to Israel 2,000 years ago to give them a second chance. Right? Because that, that's, that's the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of the Old Testament, right? Is God chose his people. But they rebelled over and over and over again. And he exiled them out of the land. And then they came back to the land. But still their hearts weren't pure. And then finally, at the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of a, born a Jew, to his own people. The final climactic salvation of God for the Jews. And by and large, they rejected their own Messiah. It was a second chance. It was a second chance. Just like in Jonah's day, however, right? In Jonah's day, Israel was an idolatrous nation. Just, you know, read the book of Kings and how that went. All right? uh, Israel in Jonah's day was idolatrous. But God sends Jonah to who? The Gentile Ninevites. And he preached to the Gentile Ninevites who were way off from God. And they repented. They repented. It's the, I think it's part of the sign of Jonah. Jesus was sent to Israel 
And once again, by and large, I mean, many did repent, but many didn't. And by and large, Israel, even at the preaching of Jesus, did not repent. And as a result of that, Paul in Romans says that because of that, the gospel then went forth to the Gentiles. You, me, so that we could be saved. You know, I think it's in the Gospel of John, near the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus is literally about to be crucified by the Jews. He's teaching there in Jerusalem. And then some Greeks show up. Y'all remember that? And they tell, they, and one of his disciples comes and says, Hey, Jesus, some Greeks want to see you. And Jesus is so weird. He doesn't even, he doesn't even, it's like, he's responding without responding. He says, Now the Son of Man is glorified. Son of God is glorified. What does that even mean? It means that Jesus is, that the Greeks coming to Jesus in his last day, I believe, is the sign what Jesus was saying, the glory of God is going to go forth through me, and it's not even just going to be in Israel. It's going to be to the whole world. God's plan was to extend his mercy not just to the Jews, but to everyone who will repent of their sin, who will repent of their sins and believe in the word of his beloved son. Why? Because Jesus said they repented at Jonah, but behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, so, so let's just swallow this in for a second. You have Jesus, and he is talking about these great Old Testament figures that everybody would have known. And here's, here's Jesus, you know, according to the scripture, wasn't much to look at, carpenter boy from Galilee, and he is looking people in the eyes, and he's saying, I'm greater than Jonah. I'm greater than Solomon, the greatest king Israel had. Either he's crazy, or you better believe what he's saying. Because if they repented at Jonah, and you don't repent at Jesus, you're just not going to repent. And guess what? At the day of judgment, the people of Nineveh will rise up against us and condemn those because, behold, something greater is Jonah than Jonah is here, and it's Jesus. So what's the message? The message is that God sent his son to give a second chance, not just to the Ninevites, not just to the Jews. He sent his son to give a second chance to the whole world. To give a second chance to us. We don't have to be Jewish. We don't have to eat kosher. Praise the Lord. We have to do something both easier and harder. We have to repent. We have to repent. We have to turn from our sin. We have to turn from ourselves. We have to surrender our lives and say, no longer, no longer my will, but thy will be done in me. We have to wake up every morning and say, today, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. It's repentance. It's faith. It's trust. And God 
relents. God saves. God spares. God gives second chances to those who turn from their sin and trust in Him. This is why Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we see a second chance for Jonah, a second chance for Nineveh, a second chance for us, and then finally, a second chance for others. A second chance for others. So we have Jesus, who is greater than Jonah, came to give us a second chance. And as we see in the Jonah account, you know, the Assyrians, again, were known for their cruelty. They're not really the people you would expect to receive a second chance. I think that's part of the sign of Jonah. Because then when you come to Jesus and his ministry, his ministry is characterized by the very same thing. We see in the preaching of Jesus the salvation of people whom you wouldn't expect. It's pretty remarkable. In fact, it's so remarkable that Jesus would tell the religious leaders one day that the prostitutes and the tax collectors entered the kingdom of God before you. Because they repented. Because they turned from their sin. And trusted in me. And that's what he's saying. The Israelites of Jonah's day could look at the Ninevites and say there's no chance for them. And yet they're the very ones that God gave the second chance. And note that God gave Jonah a second chance in order to give Nineveh a second chance. Right? I mean, God could have used some other means, but he didn't. He wanted to use Jonah. And that's the point. God didn't give us a second chance so that the buck could stop with us, but if we are followers and forgiven followers of Jesus Christ, we are given a second chance so that we can be the means of others receiving a second chance. This is why I chose to preach through the book of Jonah this uh, December, which for us is the uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering season. And we think about the importance and the urgency of international missions because Jonah was, in fact, one of the world's first missionaries. As I said at the beginning, it's remarkable because very, very rarely, if ever, do we have an, another example in the Old Testament of God explicitly commanding a prophet, to go to another nation and preach to them. And yet here we have Jonah as an example of that, as one of the very first missionaries. The Bible, in fact, is a missionary book because it's all about God seeking his people. And so God sent Jonah to the Ninevites that they might hear the word of the Lord, repent from their sins, believe his messenger, and be saved from his judgment. God gave Jonah a second chance to give Nineveh a second chance. God gave us a second chance to give others a second chance. So that other people might come to know the salvation of God as we have come to know. We have the opportunity. God has placed people in your life, in your family, in your friendships, in your relationships, at your workplace, at the store. God has placed people in your path so that you could be His means and instrument of their salvation. 
We have a message that's better than the message of Jonah. You know that. Jesus said, I'm greater than Jonah. So we got a greater message. We get to preach Christ. We get to preach God. The, the Word became flesh. We get to preach the mercy of God on the cross by substituting His Son for us. We get to preach resurrection from the dead and eternal life. We get to preach an unbelievable message that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, God can give you a second chance. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, He sent His Son for that very purpose. And we get to tell people that. That's why, that's why we said our mission as Hillside Baptist Church is to love God, love people, and make disciples. And that's how we do it. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love people. We love people supremely by pointing them to Jesus and using every means possible to do that, including tangible acts of love to show them the love of Christ. And it also means telling them the truth. Telling them the truth that Jesus Christ has come to forgive us of our sins. But there's other truths as well. Namely that Jesus Christ is also coming back. And when he does, he's going to judge the world in righteousness. And the only way we can escape is by finding forgiveness through his blood. We must proclaim that in our households, in our community. We must be concerned about people across the street and across the world. And we have a great opportunity and privilege to do that as Southern Baptists. And that's why I entreat you to give prayerfully and generously to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We, we might think here that there's not a whole lot we can do for people overseas. But if you've ever, if you've ever traveled a little bit, you'll know, guess what? People are the same everywhere. They might speak a different language. They might have different cultures and different kind of societal norms. But deep down, they have the same fears. They have the same worries. They have the same loves, the same insecurities. They have the same needs. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. And as Southern Baptists, we have the International Mission Board. And we as a church, when we pool our resources together with tens of thousands of other Southern Baptist churches, we have the opportunity and the privilege to send people called of God to go to places that you and I might never go and they don't have to worry about where their funding is going to come from, where their meal is going to come from because we're holding the rope for them as they go down into the well. God is using them to reach people far from God. And what greater privilege can we have as a church to be used by God to see other people come to know Him across the street and across the world. And I've, if you've been listening to me, I've been saying this for a while. 
and we're just going to have to keep praying until it happens. But it is, it, it is, it would be easy for God to raise up a missionary from Hillside Baptist Church. And I would count it one of the greatest privileges as a church and as a pastor to send out someone called by God to say, I want to take Jesus to the nations. It's possible. God has given us a second chance to give a second chance to others. So let's proclaim him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for the second chance you gave me. Lord, 19 years ago, when you called me to yourself, granted me repentance that leads to life and began the slow and painful work of changing me that you're still working today. Thank you for all these brothers and sisters in this room whom, to whom also you have given a second chance. A second chance, Lord, to seek you, to follow you, to obey you. And Lord, maybe there's someone in this room now that deep in their heart they know that they need a second chance. God, I pray that your spirit would help them to look to you, Lord Jesus, in faith. To believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for their sins, that you rose again, that you're coming back one day. And that, Lord, even now in the, in the very seat in which they sit, if they will repent of their sins, turn and follow you, you will gladly relent the judgment that's coming. That they might be spared and be brought into your family on the last day. Oh, God. May they find you. Lord, we give you honor and praise today for the second chance you have given to us. Lord, now we ask that you would help us to give it to others. In Jesus' name.